Good morning and welcome to another Five Alive. It is good to have you joining with us today during this wonderful holiday season. We are going to be reading from the book of John chapter 13 and we're going to be focusing on verses 21 through 35 today and we are going to split those up into two sections uh, but just as a reference point for ourselves, this is the time of the Passover. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. They are all uh, partaking of the Passover meal. They're dining and reclining. And Jesus also, after he has washed the disciples' feet, teaches them to wash each other's feet and wash other people's feet as well. Uh, Jesus and Judas have an interaction where uh, Jesus identifies Judas as the betrayer. He says, the one who dips his food after me will be the one who betrays me. And then he tells Judas to quickly go and do what he is supposed to do, or go and finish what your betrayal entails. Uh, next, we'll be talking about a new command that Jesus gives us. Yet this command has been seen in God's nature from the beginning. So it's not really something that's new to us. It's just something that Jesus is enhancing in our understanding of himself as God. So we're going to read about the betrayal. John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked up one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So, after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. This is the reading of God's word. I have a question for you. Have you ever been betrayed? Yes. Yes? So if you answered yes, did you handle the situation with vengeance and hatred or with compassion and forgiveness? The second one. <laughs> the second one? With compassion and forgiveness? Okay. A mixture of both. A mixture of both. <laughs> Anger and forgiveness. Okay. Frustration at what they've done, but then later on forgiving them for what they did. Okay. If you are betrayed by someone, the world teaches us what is required Vengeance. Anger, yeah. Anger? What? Revenge. Revenge. Justice. We must get justice. But justice looks an awful lot like revenge, doesn't it? I would even say that uh, the person in the 21st century who shows mercy, grace, forgiveness, compassion on somebody who has wronged them is looked as weak. Mm -hmm. They're looked down upon. Oh, you're a weakling. Oh, you will give in to anything. Oh, people can take advantage of them because if you do them wrong, they'll continue to trust you. They'll continue to accept you. And so therefore, let's continue to take advantage of them. But I don't think that's just a 21st century thing. I think that's an always thing. 
Is that is that correct? Do you agree with that? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, the other reaction of betrayal is hatred, disowning. There was a new word on the dictionary today when I got on the dictionary this morning. It was the word of the day. It was called flout. To flout is to scorn somebody. Uh, so we flout people. We say, oh, uh, I, I can't stand that person anymore. Uh, so the word is flout, the word of the day in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Uh, we segregate ourselves from the betrayer and all or anyone that was associated with them. If it's their friend uh, and they've betrayed us or they've done something that we didn't like, then we don't only exclude that person anymore. Now we exclude them, their friends, their family, and anybody that they've ever even talked to because now, no way, that person was horrible to me, so I can't associate with anybody that they're associated with. Uh, we isolate ourselves from anyone who could then bring us hurt or betrayal or pain ever again. And so we start locking ourselves into our room or we go into the bathroom, we lock ourselves into the bathroom and we sit there and we isolate ourselves from the rest of the world because somebody has hurt me and I'm never going to get hurt again. So the only way that I know that I can avoid being hurt is to completely remove everybody from my life. Right? Uh, you you can't talk about the person who betrayed you without your blood pressure raising, without uh, a sickening feeling of, uh, of, of uncomfortableness, the turning in, my, in your stomach that makes you almost feel sick. Maybe you even start feeling depressed just thinking about them. Or uh, you indulge in something habitual or sinful that will bring you temporary satisfaction so that that way you can forget about the hurt the pain and the betrayer. So you instead give into another temptation uh, that leads you away from godliness and leads you closer towards sin and self-satisfaction. And so we look for ways to try and help ourselves feel better. And looking for justification for our reaction of this sin towards our betrayer is completely justified in the books we read, the movies we watch, the TV shows we view, the music we listen to, they all point to revenge, hatred, isolation for protection, and rejection from everyone who's involved, even by a small association. Um, we can get on the phone. We can talk in person. We can send text messages to friends. You'll never believe what so-and-so did to me. And what do your friends, your close friends do? They side with you and say, yeah, you're right. I can't believe they did that. And so then you start involving your friends to dislike the person who betrayed you so that that way, not only do you isolate yourself from the betrayer, but you get your family and your close friends to also hate your betrayer and therefore cause vengeance on them. Uh, you post it on social media. So that that way other people will see what that horrible person did to you. And that way you can really take a good revenge out on them. And then you start getting responses from what people, not even people you may know, just strangers sometimes, especially if you tweet it, you'll get them to give you a remedy for everything under the sun in order to help you feel better. They'll say, go out and party, go out and drink, go do drugs, go have sex, self-pleasure yourself by shopping, shop therapy, work harder. Work more. Treat yourself to something that really satisfies you. Take revenge. You know what? If there's somebody that even looks like your betrayer, treat those that person badly so that that way you can feel like you're superior to them. 
People tell you to go get a gun or to go get a weapon to protect yourself. They say, try yoga, do more exercise, run, play sports, meditate, and on and on comes the advice. And yet none of this advice really satisfies. All it does is continue to lead us in the path of hurt and pain, right? Mm -hmm. It just suppresses. Temporarily suppresses. It doesn't satisfy. It suppresses what you're trying to work through. Yeah. Today, we even look at Judas. Uh, when we say his name, what are the, uh, the things that come to mind when I say Judas or Judas Iscariot? What, what do you think about? Betrayal. He's become what is known as a betrayer. Like even there, I can't remember the phrases, but there are phrases phrases where you call a person a Judas if yeah. you don't like them and you know they're a betrayer. Yeah. You call them a Judas because that's it's become that phrase. Is if you're a Judas, then you become a betrayer automatically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Judas is a type of devil. He's the enemy. He's the villain of the story of the between the Son of God and. Uh, what he is trying to accomplish miraculously and through healings and feeding people. And he's the one that brings that all to an end. Conversation about Judas today is tainted by his betrayal, in other words, right? Mm -hmm. um, but is that the way Jesus looked at Judas? No. So how did Jesus look at Judas? He was one of the person, people he loved. It was his disciple. He was someone he was with for three years out of his life that he walked with every day, basically. I mean, he was a brother. Yeah. He was a close friend. And even if he betrayed him, he still loved him. Towards the end of Jesus' life, after Jesus is crucified, uh, Judas goes and hangs himself because yeah. he can't deal with the pressure. He realized how much Jesus loved him and what he did wrong, that he went and committed suicide because he couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. It's in the book of Acts. Yeah. Acts, that's what it is in the book of Acts. Absolutely. So Jesus looks at Judas as his own disciple with love or lovingly. He's a man who sat under Jesus' teachings. He's a man who went out with the other disciples and proclaimed the good news. In fact, he prayed for the sick and the sick recovered. We have that mentioned to us as a fact in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Judas is one of these people. He's one of the twelve. He's one of the men that is mentioned in this passage of scripture, and that's how Jesus treated him. He still gave him power. He still gave him authority. So it was even more than all of the things we're describing. Jesus had a very uh, compassionate ministry towards Judas, even giving him the ability to go out and do just like Jesus did to heal the sick and to proclaim the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God. What else can we learn from the way that uh, Jesus handles his betrayer? He wants to get it over with. <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely jesus doesn't want it to just last for too long he wants to get it over with as quickly as possible the disciple that jesus loved that's mentioned here is john the person who wrote this book <laughs> and whenever he turned to jesus and said lord who is it and whenever jesus answered it is he who am i will give the morsel of bread when i dipped 
and then he dipped it immediately and handed it to Judas because he wanted it to be done as fast as possible. Yeah. Like he said, one of you will betray me. He was asked who's going to betray him. He dipped the morsel of bread into the wine and he handed it to Judas. He wanted it done as fast as possible. And he said, what you're going to do, do quickly. Because he doesn't want that to, he didn't want to stay on that topic for too long. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of uh, if you've ever gotten a wound, if you've ever cut yourself and you put a bandage over it and the wound has blood and uh, other, like if there's a little bit of uh, infection or what have you, all of that is coming out of your body because the white blood cells and red blood cells are working in order to make sure that your body is uh, healing itself. And that wound, then uh, the covering, the bandage then sticks to your body. And as you start to pull the, the bandage off, it sticks and it doesn't feel good, does it? It hurts. Yeah. And so it's always like, just rip it off, rip it off real fast so that that way we can get it over with. Uh, almost kind of like, you know, you had a little mouth work done this week and you came home and you were immediately like, hey, I have pain still. I need to, it should be gone. But that's not the way it works. When we have surgery on our mouth, when we have a wound that happens in our body, it lasts. But we want it to go quickly. Let it be done. Let it let it be done with. I don't want this anymore. The, let's, let's get it over with. Let's get on to the, the rest of the way things are supposed to go. Yeah, even I have asked again and she told me this is a setting, second sitting for that teeth. So the pain still will be there because there it's infected. So uh -huh. it's take time. Yeah, exactly. It has to heal. It takes yeah. time. and uh, but, but that's what we want, right? Mm -hmm. Later, what can we learn from Jesus? Even though we're talking about the moment that Jesus is betrayed now, later we're going to see that Jesus is treated hatefully. He's beaten, he's whipped, he's nailed to a cross, uh, he's made fun of, he's humiliated. Does Jesus lash out against those people that are speaking ill of him or humiliating him, stripping him of his clothes, punching him in the face, ripping the hair out of his beard or out of his head? Uh, they strike him and they say, hey, if you're really a prophet, prophesy, uh, prophesy who's striking you next, who's going to be the next one to hit you? And then they would punch him in the face uh, they, they whipped him so that that way the skin was ripped off of his back um, and, and even took a crown, uh, I mean, took a, a, a strip of thorns, made a crown of, out of it and shoved it on his head and said, if you're really a king, here's your crown. And they, uh, they ridiculed Jesus. Uh, what was Jesus's reaction to those that were ridiculing him? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Love, yeah. compassion, forgiveness. I mean, scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. And at this time, it, this is his vengeance. He's not going to attack these people immediately because he loves them so much that he wants, he's going to die for them. He's not going to enact vengeance immediately. He's going to do it whenever it's his, whenever he's ready to do it. Whenever the scripture says, vengeance is mine, that means revenge is going to happen whenever he wants it to happen. And at this moment in time, he's not going to, and act revenge on these people because they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. I don't, like, I like the part, like, 
in like in this time like we always if somebody is doing wrong with us we always want to punish them and um make gossip against them right but jesus like judas he he does he didn't take uh, directly his name front of people to make him bad or something right. he he doesn't show his name oh he's the one he's going to betray me judas you are the one like people going to think oh he's so bad like he's going to betray jesus like he's the one of the disciple but now Uh, like jesus didn't take his name right mm-hmm. so it just encouraged me like he's so nice even uh, when uh, people are doing wrong a wrong thing with jesus and he say forgive them yeah. yeah that's one of the things that jesus shows us of how he reacts mm-hmm. uh when he is handling his betrayer mm-hmm. is is even we read the passage of scripture mm-hmm. go and do what you're supposed to quickly the disciples didn't know what jesus was even talking about yeah. They thought that he was going to uh, go handle something for the Passover meal. They thought he was going to go give money to the poor because he was the one that was in charge of the money bag. They didn't know that Jesus was talking about go and finish your betrayal of me because Jesus isn't that kind of person that just is uh trying to expose and shame us for everything. Uh remember the most famous passage of scripture John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But then verse 17 says for he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And Jesus is showing that in the way he treats his betrayer Judas in this moment. So I see three things that I want to mention. One of the things that I see is I see Jesus has compassion on his betrayer. This is not giving money to the poor or to the less fortunate because they don't have everything that I have. This is compassion better defined by showing love to the person who is stealing from you, hating you, and destroying your rep- reputation. You still have compassion on that person. You still have grace and mercy on the person who intends only to harm you. You still have compassion on them. That's a better definition of the way Jesus shows compassion. Next, we've talked about it a little bit, forgiveness. This is not a one-time action or reaction. We don't forgive and then all of a sudden it's over. Sometimes we have to forgive every single day for a period of time and then we may forget about some action that a person has done against us and something will remind us of it a year later and all of a sudden that same feeling of upset hatred disgust wells up within our body at that moment we also have to forgive that person even if like we're walking down the street and it's been 10 years since we had a thought about somebody who harmed us or betrayed us and a smell in the marketplace comes up and all of a sudden we remember that person and all of a sudden we start disliking that person in that moment even though there's 10 years separated in that moment we must forgive even if we're walking through a, a, a set of pictures and we see a picture and all of a sudden we in that moment we must forgive Even if a song plays or a friend or an acquaintance comes up to us that is associated with the person that betrayed us even in that moment we must forgive. And the third thing that I see is love. Uh this is not a sexual love or a, a rolling over and letting people walk over you kind of love, but this is a love that sometimes is required for us to stand up for ourselves and to say no to other people. to not blindly follow someone but to listen to the holy spirit and to obey him 
as we care for our, num our neighbors, as we care for ourselves. All these things combined, compassion, forgiveness, and love, can most effectively be done when we allow the Holy Spirit to be our helper. He is there for us. He walks with us through these moments of trial and tribulation and hardship and struggle and pain and torment. Those moments where our reputation, we feel like we're completely being destroyed by an enemy. The Holy Spirit is the one that walks with us through those moments. Those moments where we want to go and as Aisha brought up, gossip to everybody. This person did this thing to me. Can you believe it? And instead of doing that, if we take that person's name into our prayer room and we pray for them and we allow the Holy Spirit to help us walk through this situation, love, compassion, and forgiveness continuously given towards that person, then we are following the teachings of what Jesus is giving us here by his example. Any other characteristic that you see that Jesus is exhibiting to Judas, his betrayer, in this moment of his betrayal? And we'll continue on in John chapter 13, verses 30 through 35. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, just as I said to the Jews. So now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, and you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Again, this is the reading of the word of the Lord. With the betrayer released to cause harm, verse 30, Jesus is glorified. God is glorified in a moment where absolute chaos is about to be order of the day, where destruction and torture and pain and beating and humiliation and name calling and rejection and disgust, hatred, abuse, dislike, uh, being stripped of his clothes, all of these things that are about to happen to Jesus are his glorification. When we say all glory be to the Father, in this moment, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, in this moment, that's when I'm glorified. Psalm 50, verses 22 and 23. Listen to the words of the psalmist says in this passage of scripture. Now consider this, ye that forgot God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise, glorify me, and to him that ordereth his conversation, a right will I show the salvation of God. So those who forget God, those who betray him, those who are taking him for granted, those who want to uh, be evil, and there are people that just flat out want to be evil, our hearts hunger for a fight against those kinds of people. We want to be the guy or the girl who stands up to evil. Uh, we see this portrayed for us so many times. I, I think of Thanos in the Marvel Universe. He's the bad guy, and we cheer on the Avengers as they go and they 
destroy Thanos. Uh, we think of Commodus uh, in the movie Gladiator, where Maximus is going to stand against him because he tried to destroy Maximus's life, and yet he comes back and and fights in the Gladiator uh, arena and proves himself as Maximus so that everybody knows that he's still there and he's supposed to be the rightful king. We think of uh, Robert the Bruce or Longshanks in the movie Braveheart, where they're coming against uh, the men of Scotland and the men of Scotland are standing up against them, against the evil. We think of Ram and the story of Ram and Robin, where Ram is coming against Robin, who is trying to destroy the people and bring innovation into the land. And we end up protecting our way of life and in, as a result, destroying the one who we believe intends to harm us. And that's the way we can look at the story of what's going on right here, this historical time of when Judas uh, betrays Jesus. And yet Jesus says, the glory doesn't come to me because I'm carrying a sword and a shield and I'm going to battle against Judas and evil and every Satan who now entered into his body as he goes out the door. And, and now Jesus is going to come against him and he's going to completely destroy anybody who would follow Satan. No, instead, Jesus doesn't fight. His glory instead comes from sacrificing himself. In fact, Jesus is even ridiculed at one point where the men who see him when he's on the cross, fast forward a couple of hours here, Jesus is on the cross and they say, if you're really the son of God, call the angels and they will not let your foot be harmed. And Jesus must have thought back to the Exodus when Moses is leading the people out of Egypt and Pharaoh is there and they've gone through these plagues and the final plague is the plague of where an angel comes in and destroys the firstborn of every family that did not celebrate the Passover. It had to, because I mean, this is the same time frame. The Passover time is here that Jesus is celebrating. And at the same time, when these men are calling that reference, they're referencing all the way back to the book of Exodus, where the same thing happened, where an angel of death came into the camp and destroyed those who didn't trust or believe in God. I also think that maybe it went to Sennacherib's when he comes and he defies the living God. And as a result, what happens in 2 Kings chapter 19? An angel comes and destroys 100,000 people of the army, completely gone. And if Jesus is in the right, they're saying, then by all means, call the angels. And to us today, we think that that's what a valiant warrior really is. And Jesus shows us, he turns our thought process upside down and says, no, a valiant warrior is one who will lay down his life so that others may live. That's what Jesus does. And that's what he talks about in this passage of scripture. Another thing he says in this passage of scripture is, I'll be with you a little while and where I go, you cannot come. What, what, what is this reference to? I don't think it's in reference to death because Jesus is not uh, referring to death because in fact, some of his disciples are going to face the same exact death that Jesus does mm -hmm. on a cross of their own. So we can't think he's referencing that. We can't think that he's talking about the fact that uh, he carried his cross so that that way uh, he would then be hung on it because Jesus says that we're supposed to carry our cross. We're supposed to bear our cross. And so the shame of the cross is not being referenced here because in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, and Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus talks about us bearing our own crosses. He couldn't be talking about uh, 
heaven because after death, you will enter paradise is what he says to the, the thief that is hanging on the cross next to him in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. And he sa- and so uh, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So he can't be talking about heaven. Uh, so what is it he's speaking of? I think he's speaking of the fact that he is going to overcome death, something that no human has ever done. I think he's talking about how he's going to destroy hell for those who believe in Jesus and the grave, the the strongest strongholds that completely destroy all of humanity. Jesus is going to overcome them. And so therefore, to have a crown of thorns thrust upon his head, to have a spear thrust into his side, to have his nails, hands nailed to a cross, to face a beating, that is glory because True glory is him giving up himself as a sacrifice. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So I believe Jesus is talking here about he's going to overcome that which is impossible for us to overcome. And this is where we definitely see the triune God at work. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, is absolutely overcoming death, hell, and the grave in a way that you and I can also overcome death, hell, and the grave. Can we do it on our own? No. Mm-mm. Can we do it with the helper, the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Can we do it because Jesus did it for us? He went to a place that we could not go. Right. We could not follow him to. Yeah. Thirdly, I see that Jesus says a new command I give to you, love one another. But it's kind of funny because Jesus already references love in a regard of he has a Pharisee come to him and says, what is the greatest commandment? And his response is, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And yet he says here that I've given you a new commandment to love one another. It seems like he's just re-referencing what he said before, right? So, so what's really different here? Love in a deeper mannerism, other than like a brotherly love, and instead of like a cliche of saying, I love you, bro, I love you, sis, because <laughs> what does that mean? I, I remember pondering it like at the age of 16, Xavier's age of what is love? You hear agape love, um, loving a friend, and then you hear what is love, what is true love to God, and what is love to my neighbors, what is love to my enemies? 
what is love to my dog or to my cat <laughs> or to an animal? Yeah. What is love of a food? Do yeah. I really love food? You know, it's an inanimate object, you know, of a of food. Do I really love it? And so I used to ask myself uh, this question, and it was probably silly. I would say, would I love pizza enough to marry it? <laughs> well, no. So therefore, I don't love pizza. I like pizza. Do I love my dog to the point of where I want to marry my dog? No. But I like my dog, or I like my cat, or I like my bird. I had a bird. I liked my bird. Yeah. Queen Esther was her name. I liked my bird. And so when it came to people, did I like my friends? Did I like my neighbors? Did I like my enemies in a way of where I wanted to marry them? No, but I wanted them to know the marriage of Jesus Christ. Mm. In a sense, like I wanted them to know the love of Christ in a deep mannerism. We are the bride of Christ. Yeah. And Christ Jesus is our groom. Yeah. And the only thing that we can take to heaven is people. Yeah. I look at love of a brother or a love of a sister as my own. Like, would I lay my life down for them? Mm. And would I do anything that I could do? to help them having a genuine conversation of life of you know finding out their likes their interests their you know just spending time with them I, yeah. to me that's that's love and, and there's more to learn his love for us is just so deeply enriching that we don't even fathom the love that he has given us that we are to have that same love towards others no matter their color no matter their their you know their race no matter their gender we're to love yeah as Christ loved and we're not to be an instant stereotype and put them off into a box and categorize them because this is how they dress this is what they wear this is they're from the north or they're from the south they're from the east they're from the west it doesn't matter because yeah. Christ came for all and he loves all and if we're to be like Christ it is our responsibility as a follower of Christ Jesus to love all mankind. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me when you were saying that is I want to get to know somebody more in depth. And Xavier brought up the point that Judas has been with Jesus for three, three and a half years at this point. And we have record of Jesus's teachings. We have record of his miracles. We have record of the authority of which he spoke with on a regular basis but I wonder what those conversations were like when they were all sitting around the campfire at night or as they were walking down the road to go from one place to the next place. I don't think they walked in silence. And though we don't have recording of everything that was going on, I wonder how often Jesus displayed his intimate knowledge of each of the disciples. Think about the fact that the psalm says that God the Father has our name written on the palm of his hand because he loves us so much, or that he knows the number of hairs on our head. What would the incredible conversations with Jesus be like when he's talking about you as you're walking with him? Definitely have contemplated that. What would my conversation be with Christ, or what would I talk about? You know, would we, I mean, obviously you're not going to go around and goof off and be like, man, did you see that person? They had no teeth. You know, I, don't, I don't think a conversation would be like that. I don't know. It might be. I do. I do. <laughs> and did you see that person in the crowd? They were like, 
whoa, that was miraculous. <laughs> you know, and just like quoting things that they heard from the crowd. I kind of wonder, you know, were, were they saying that to Jesus? And was Jesus just kind of like looking at them? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you know, Jesus, you know, right, right. And, uh, and man, they think you're the Messiah. Isn't that cool? What do you think of that? I mean, I think of the conversations of the genuineness of how, Jesus, how is it you can remain so calm in a crowd? How, Jesus, can it be that your power goes out of you and can touch and heal a woman who just touched the hem of your garment? Yeah. Like, what kind of power is on you, Jesus? Yeah. Like, can I get some of that? You know, sure. will your will your power like inflict in me? And if it does, will it shock me like an electric yeah. eel? You know, will, will it send me flying through the air? Like, you know, I kind of wonder, like, were there silly conversations, not silly conversations, but conversations like that, you know, because some guys were young and some guys were a little bit older. Yeah. And so I can only imagine the thought process of. Sure. What does it feel like? Did you did you feel anything? Did you can you see? Yeah. Or do you feel wiped out? You know, what is it like to bleed sweat and blood when you're praying? Like what is that like? I mean, I I mean I have I have prayed and prayed. You know, when I was little, I used to try to pray to pray really, really hard. <laughs> you want to be so anxious and sweat blood? Lord, I'm praying, I'm very sincere about this, you know. My parents divorced and I'm just not happy and and Lord, can you see the blood? And I'd like run up to the mirror. Surely there's gotta be blood there. Lord, I'm sincere, I promise that this is you know, and it's like I just don't know. I need a father in my life and and I don't know what to do because my earthly dad isn't always there and and I go back to the mirror, there's still no blood. <laughs> but what was revealed to me was Glare, I'm your father. Yeah. And I will always be. And I am the one who shed the blood for you. Absolutely. To which I was like, oh. So I, you know, then you think about being in conversations with Jesus being, you know, walking with him. You know, is Jesus in those moments like, you know. Like looking at you like, dude, what are you talking about? Come on. You know. <laughs> But I mean, I, I don't see that we can be really separated from those kinds of conversations with Jesus today. Right. And I think that that's part of the failure on our part as teachers of God's word to instruct us in what prayer really is. Because so often we think prayer is asking God for something. Uh, so often we think that prayer is only thanking God for something. Sometimes we think prayer is only something that we do at this set hour of this time of the week in this particular room facing this particular direction. And I think the reality is, is that prayer is supposed to be talking to God, which means that our prayer should be having the same kind of conversation with Jesus that he had with his disciples when they were walking down the road from one place to the next. Have you ever like, stop to pray and be like word up god or have like no i don't i heard? don't word up god i don't word up daddy god either no. <laughs> I yes i have I've walked around I didn't and talked get it. What, what are you trying to say? have you ever have you ever prayed well just like a regular conversation like, like a regular say conversation. you're walking down the street and you're like 
यीशु बहुत खास है
look at God, look at me as a mother hen who cares for her chicks and let me put my arms around her and protect her from all the evil and horrible things going out there. It, do I look at other people that way also? Is that the way I love them? He was had authority when he spoke of his heavenly father. Do we claim ourselves not to be Jesus, not to be God, but do we recognize the fact that we are sons of God and therefore we have that same authority to talk about God, our heavenly father, the same way Jesus spoke of our heavenly father? There was a teaching when I was younger that I heard from the pulpit. If you spoke your thoughts aloud loudly, then it would come to pass. So like like if you... So for instance, I had a friend and she had, um, I said she had a lot of warts and it was around her mouth. I was like, that's got to be so painful. And I asked her, I was like, doesn't that hurt? And she goes, oh yeah, every day. And I said, do you find embarrassment? And no, no, I find no embarrassment in the way my face looks. And I thought, wow. And in that moment, I heard that teaching of if you think like ill thoughts, Mm. then it will come to pass. And I thought, man, that's got to hurt. Like, it's just got to be so painful. And that's when I was older and I had all those warts that broke out on my legs. And Mm. I thought, is that because I spoke ill of her? Like, I had that thought and I asked her the question, you know, of does that hurt your face? And because I asked that question to her, then all of a sudden I got warts all down my legs. No, it's because you touched a toad. Right. (laughs) But that thought went through my brain going... I had to discern immediately going, no, that didn't come from Satan. That right. didn't come from God. It just happened. Right. Yes, Mallory. One time, it's something similar, not that similar though, but one time I remember being in church and then I think someone told me, I think it was a pastor, and our pastor said, don't pray out loud for a person, because if you pray out loud for a person, then Satan's going to get them. And then I was like, is that true? True? Because I don't know if it was true or not. And I was like, I've prayed out loud for people like all the time. I don't know if I hurt them even more or not. And then, like, because I was praying for a bunch of my friends and stuff, like some her getting sick and then but I prayed out loud for them but then they got better and then I was like now I'm super confused about all of this so what did you discover is it okay to pray out loud yeah is it okay to also not pray out loud yeah (laughs) does God hear your prayers Mm. yeah so that was a maybe a wrong teaching that you had been exposed to wasn't it yeah yeah but did you just Did you allow that to stop you and no longer grow? No. Or did you continue to discover who Jesus is? I continue to discover who Jesus is. Yeah. I remember the same thing. Like somebody told me, uh, don't uh, pray loudly. Uh, If you speak loudly, so uh, he will hear hear that thing and uh, the trouble will come in your life. So I just pray like, okay, in my mind like uh, just praying in my mind oh, i don't want to speak out if shaitan will hear uh, and something bad going to happen and he will uh, close the door but i also pray like okay jesus i will breaking all the chains and all this yeah, yeah. thing so he will not mm, 
close that door no <laughs> i also do this yeah yeah so i mean these things get confusing yeah. and that's and and that's unfortunate but it's a part of our life it's a part of actually of jesus being glorified because the more we do come across teaching that is wrong and needs to be changed or discerned to be uh corrected in our lives mm-hmm. that means we actually depended on Jesus and not on man mm-hmm. in order to come to that belief of recognizing, okay, it's okay to pray aloud. Mm-hmm. It's okay to pray quietly. It's okay, it's okay to pray quietly and aloud at the same time. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with those things. So that's very important for us to recognize. Definitely. The love that Jesus is talking about, and I think this is very important, is that John 13, 35, he says that they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. So when we're taught something bad by someone, do we look at them as if they are a betrayer? Do we look at them as if they're our enemy? Oh, they taught me wrong, so therefore I can't be around them anymore. I can't stand them anymore. I can't trust them anymore. Or do we treat them like Jesus treated his betrayer with love with compassion and with forgiveness. Because often we can take the stance of they're evil because they said this one thing wrong. So I can have nothing to do with them. Have you ever seen somebody do that before? I know I have. Yes. But that's not what you said that you did, Mallory. It's not what you said you did, Aisha. It's not what you said you did, Blair, when you were younger even. Instead, we chose to dive more deeper in our relationship with who Jesus is and talk with Jesus like Xavier was describing where I ask in that moment. Maybe it's not allowed. Maybe it is allowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've definitely heard Xavier talking aloud many times and I'm like, who in the world are you talking to? <laughs> and for all I know, he could be praying in those moments. Mm-hmm. But I just walk by his room and I can hear Xavier just talking away. And I'm like, is he on the phone? Is there somebody? And I'll open the door and there's nobody there. And he's just talking. And I'm like, who are you talking to? He goes, oh, I'm just talking. Well, he's praying. Mm-hmm. And is that Okay. Absolutely, that's okay. So to this point, we, we haven't seen anybody sacrifice their life for a people. If we look through the history of what we have before us written in the Bible, we see Moses who leads the people out of Egypt. We see Joshua who leads them into battle to take the promised land. We see King David who leads them into a time of peace under his son, King Solomon. We, we see the Israelites go back and forth between following God and falling away from God. We see them uh, taken into a time of captivity where Babylon overcomes them, Assyria overcomes them, and they're taken captive and they're spread throughout all of the world But we don't see somebody sacrifice themselves out of love for the people of the human race or even the Israelites at this point. And so when Jesus says a new command I give you, he's basically revealing to us the new thing that is about to happen that has been talked about from the beginning of time. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we know that somebody's going to come along that is going to crush Satan under his heel. And now we see it. But it doesn't come in the way that we think it's going to come because we think that this is going to come by force, by might, by sword, and by a king who comes in and dominates the enemy. And that must be the Romans in this moment is what many of the Israelites are thinking. And yet Jesus says, no, the glory is going to be revealed by my sacrifice. And are we willing to live our lives that way? Romans chapter 12 says that our life is to be a living sacrifice. 
Sacrifice is what Jesus did on the cross. Is my life that? Is my life a living sacrifice? So with this information of what love is, even more in depth, what must I do to adjust my life? This is for reflection. Am I living up to my fullest potential in knowing God and discovering him and doing what he requires of me in this time of my place on this earth? Am I willing to meditate on that John chapter 13, verse 35 this week and to allow God's truth to be reflective in my life? What am I missing when it comes to love? Because do I think it's going to be fulfilled by some kind of relationship with a person of the same or opposite sex? Do I think it's going to be fulfilled in a TV program or a movie or a book or accomplishing some goal or accomplishing a work goal or uh, closing the next deal or uh, consulting the next person so that that way their company makes money so therefore I profit and help benefit my family? Is it going to come from getting more education? Is it going to... or Is it Jesus revealing himself more intimately to me? What am I missing in my life that I need God to speak to me on? Because he loves you enough and cares for you enough that he's not going to shame you or condemn you. Instead, he's going to reveal himself to you more intimately. All right, guys, this is my closing. Lord, I want to thank you for loving me. Lord God, I want to thank you for being glorified that I might be with you forever and for being my helper. I am so enamored with the way you treated Judas who betrayed you and how, as has been brought up, you you didn't do the things that we so often do today in the 21st century. Instead, you reacted completely completely different than any of our normal reactions. And so I I want my life to be more like you, Jesus. When I have somebody, a person who I feel is betraying me, when I have somebody, a, a person, a coworker at work who talks ill of me or gossips about me, I, I want to react the way you react. And instead of doing the same thing that all of my coworkers and all of my friends and even my family have done throughout the generations, I want to be different. I want to be more like you. Continue to keep my ears, eyes, and mind open so that that way you can continue to fill me up, that I may live a holy life that is pleasing to you. May I love like Jesus. May I submit my hurts, cares, and plans to him and allow my life to be completely in your hands. Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day and that we will worship you every single day, and that on Saturday we will have a great day of rest next week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. (laughs) Amen.